All right, grab your Bibles, turn to James chapter number one, James chapter number one. I know uh, Brother Andrew has gone through a couple uh, outlines in James so far, and I think he stopped at verse 11. Uh, So we're just going to tie in to where he stopped in verse number 11. Uh, uh, I don't know about you, but this is definitely a, a, a study, a lesson that I think everybody in here needs to uh, pay close attention to, because we're all going to deal with this trials and temptations, trials and temptations. And by the, by the way, uh, on your notes, on your notes, I want you to, I just was been sitting back there thinking about it. And on that first, I put on there temptations, temptations. When you sit down after we read, just take your pen and, and just draw a line through that first temptation and put the word trials there. Trials, trials and temptations. We're going to talk a little bit about the difference in those. Um, and so we'll, we'll have the, the main body. The main body of the, the lesson tonight is going to be on dealing with temptation, right? The temptation to sin, to uh, disobey, rebel. But we're going to talk about trials just a little bit, too. So we'll put that in the in the title. All right. James chapter number one in verse number 12. If, if you're there, say Amen. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man, say that, every man is tempted, not when, it, it, listen, or, or if, it's when. We're going to be tempted. Every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. You may not see it right away. It may not show up quickly. But you can best believe when sin is done, it's death. Every time. Every time. Do not err, my beloved Brethren, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the father of lights with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning of his own will begat he us with the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for the the opportunity to to study and to, to look at your word and to learn, to grow, to apply uh, this stuff don't work unless we use it. Lord, we, we're not here just to, to pass the time. We're not here, uh, Lord, just to check off a box. We're not here out of habit. Lord, we're here out of need. And God, we need to learn. We need to grow. We need something that's going to Im- improve our ability to fight the devil. And God, I pray that you'll help us now. Help us all. Help us all from the front to the back, side to side. Lord, help all those at Fairview that are tuning in. Lord, we're in this thing together. Lord, I pray for all those that are watching online. Pray that you'll help us be what we're supposed to be. And God, will be careful to give you the glory and all the praise and all the honor for it all. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people say it. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. Has anybody noticed, has anybody noticed that we're living we are living in a society that doesn't want to own their failure. 
We're living in a, a society and we're living in a time where it's always someone else's fault. And it, and, and it didn't, it's real bad. It's real bad right now, but it didn't just get that way. We've got to understand that that is the nature of man. For instance, for instance, uh, when, if we go all the way back to the Garden of Eden, if we go all the way back to the Garden of Eden, uh, we know that, 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 that we, we, we know the story. We know God said you can eat of any tree you want to eat, any one you want. Just take your pick. You can have any tree. You can eat any fruit except one. Don't mess with that one. Don't mess with the tree, the knowledge of good and evil. Uh, that one's out of bounds. That one's off limits. You can't have that one. Now, that sounds like a pretty good deal, wouldn't you say? Have anything you want, but that the only rule they had on the whole earth. Can you imagine? Just one, just one rule. That's all you got to keep. And we know the story. We know what happened. Uh, Satan came, deceived Eve. Eve took the fruit, gave it to Adam. Adam took the fruit. And uh, here comes God. And by the way, he'll always come around. He'll always show up and he begins to call him, begins to uh, cry out to him. Adam, hey, Adam, what's Adam doing? He's hiding. Him and he both are hiding. God said, what are you doing? What are you hiding for? And by the way, when we do stray and we do rebel, it'll make us want to hide from God. When we need to run to God. He said, well, we were naked. He said, who told you you were naked? Did you eat of the fruit that I told you not to? Well, here's Adam's response. Well, Lord, that woman that you gave me. That's what he said. He turns to Eve. Eve, what about it? He said, well, that snake in the garden. So Adam says, God is your fault. Eve said it's the devil's fault. What, what was that comedian? The, the devil made me do it. What, Flip Wilson, is that the one? Yeah. Flip Wilson, devil made me do it. Well, that's, what do we see? We see a, a natural tendency to blame someone else for our failure. We don't want to own up to it. We don't want to make it right. It's always someone else's fault. It's always someone else's issue. And, and what James is doing here in James chapter number one, he is reassuring us and helping us understand that one, it's not God. And two, it's really not the devil. When it's all said and done, he's going to talk about, we're going to talk about the devil's influence and how the devil can tempt us and that type of thing. But when it's all said and done, if you did it, then you did it. Are y'all with me? It's us. It's us. We have to own it. And so that's basically what we're going to deal with today. How does that happen? How does that happen? I mean, how, how do we end up falling? How do we, you know, I've heard people say, oh my goodness, this affair, it just happened. No, it didn't. No, it didn't. Nothing ever just happens. There's a process that goes. There's a process that takes place and and, and we, need to, we need to learn where to put our attention in that process. Uh, and, and we're going to talk about that today. So if you're ready to talk about temptation, say amen. amen. All right, number one, number one. As we go through James chapter one, verse 12, blessed is the man that endureth temptation. 
For when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. Now, we have two verses, two words that seem the same in English, temptation and tempted. But they're two different Greek words. So he is talking about two different things here. All right. One is testing and the other is tempting. So here's what I want you to write down. First of all, when we look at the principle of temptation, I want you to see the roles that are played. All right. When it comes to our temptation, I want you to see the roles that are played. First of all, number one, write this down. God tests us. He will test us. He will put to proof. That's what that word means. Blessed is the man that endureth testing, temptation, putting to proof. In other words, God is testing your resolve. He's testing your faith. He's testing your durability. He's testing your belief, your faithfulness. If that makes sense, say amen. So God tests us. It's the word uh, perasmus, putting to proof, to test. God says in James 1, 12, that blessed is the man. Not just happy. You know, we know the word blessed means happy, but it's even more than that. You benefit. You benefit. Now that's hard to say when you're being tested. Nobody likes hardship. Nobody likes difficulty. Nobody likes pain. But James is trying to tell us, I know it's hard, but you're going to benefit from it. You're going to be blessed from it. You're going to grow from it. You're going to develop from it. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation for when he is tried and the word tried there literally means, uh, it, it means when he's proven, when you come through it, if you will, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord promised them that love him. Watch what first Peter one, six says, wherein, <clears throat> wherein ye greatly rejoice though now for a man, that's so important that you see that. Though now for a season, if need be, so important, underline that, underline that. If need be, ye are in heaviness. I mean, you're going through it. You're, you, we're talking about Sunday morning's message right here. You, you, are, you, are, you are looking for that wings of doves that you can fly away. You are overwhelmed. You are in heaviness through manifold temptation, manifold trials. Trials, difficulties. Test. And by the way, Peter was talking to people who were being executed. He, were, he was addressing uh, the Christians who were under great persecution from Rome and they were being fed to lions and, and, and they were being hung on crosses and they were going through great, great persecution and being martyred. And he said, I know you're going through it. But he said, if need be, watch this. That the trial of your faith being much more precious than gold. What's, what's precious? Your faith being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire. What? Your faith, though it be tried, though it be tested, might be found under praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Now, what is he saying? Well, one thing I want you, this ain't in the notes. I'm going to just run with that verse a minute. Though now for a season, understand testing is only a season. It's not going to be forever. 
It's not going to be, listen, all the time. It's not round the clock, 24-7, 365 days. Listen, there are going to be seasons of testing. There's going to be seasons that God is going to put your faith to the test, that God is going to bring your faith through the fire. Now, not so he can see where it's at, but so you can see where it's at. Now, remember this, a faith that can't be tested can't be trusted. What, what happens? Well, there, everybody has faith. I mean, ask them, especially in the South. Oh, I'm a man of faith. But you want to say it, in what? Yeah. Well, what is your faith in? Can your faith withstand the test? Can your faith withstand the, look, look, look what, look, just since, hey, just since uh, COVID, just since COVID, you know, we were, we were averaging about 2,500 people. Now it's around 18 to 19. What happened? What happened? The fire came. The testing came. There are churches right now that are not even in existence right now. There are churches that are half the size or a quarter of the size. Why? They went through the fire and their faith fizzled. They didn't have genuine faith. They had a profession, but not a possession. They professed Christ, but they didn't possess Christ. And when the fire came, their faith fizzled and they didn't have genuine faith. Are y'all with me? You need a little fire. You need some difficulty so you can know my faith is genuine. My faith is real. We can be like Job, though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. I know my Redeemer liveth. And he shall stand at the latter day on this earth. And though the skin worms destroy this body of mine, yet in my flesh I shall see God. Listen, he went through the fire. And and God will always take you through the fire. God will never tempt you to sin. But he will test your faith. He will test your faith. And, 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 And the testing is hard. The testing is difficult. The testing is painful sometimes. But man, it's necessary. It is so precious. God is so concerned about your faith. God doesn't want your faith to be a stagnant faith. That's why he wants you to gather tonight and study the Bible because faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. He doesn't want you to have a stagnant faith. He doesn't want you to have a weak faith. He wants you to have the faith as a seed, a grain of a seed of a mustard so that it will grow and develop and be strong. And it needs tension. It needs resistance. Your muscles, if you, your muscles don't have resistance, they will atrophy and they will get weaker and weaker and disintegrate. Your faith muscles are the same way. Are y'all with me? Say amen. amen. Listen, then we see, then we see God tests. Okay. Does everybody understand that the test is that this is not tempting you to commit adultery or tempting you to rob a bank or tempting you to get angry or tempting you to have road wreck. This is testing, testing your resolve, testing your faith. All right, God tests, but then, but then Satan tempts. Now this word, verse 13, in, in verse 12, the word temptation is the Greek word parasmus, which means putting to proof. In other words, proving your faith. But then in 13, it's different. In 13, it says, let no man say when he is tempted, that word is parazo. It's right there in your notes, parazo, which means to entice. 
It means to entrap. Do y'all see the difference here? All right. This is coming from Satan. It's not coming from God. Nobody can ever say because of the nature of God, God says, I can't be tempted with evil. So I'm not going to tempt anyone from, with evil. So if it's not God tempting us, there's only one other person. All right. We know Satan will tempt us. Satan will tempt us. Uh, this is enticement. This is entrapment. This is what he's good at, right? This is what, this is just what he does. Job one, seven, the Lord said unto Satan, whence comest thou? Uh, in Alabama, we'd say, where you been? I need a witness right there. Where you been? Satan said, well, I've been going here and there to and fro in the earth, walking up and down in it. He's looking according to Peter, according to Peter, he said, he's a roaring lion who roameth about seeking whom he may devour. Right? He's the accuser of the brethren. Matthew 4, 1, Matthew 4, 1, Jesus is led. Now watch this, how this works. Now watch a testing can become a temptation. Something God is doing or allowing can be something that Satan will use against you as a temptation. For instance, God was allowing the persecution of the early church. He was allowing the fire. He was allowing the fiery trial. And that is what James is concerned about. And he's addressing this. And he's saying, blessed is the man when he endureth temptation, when he sticks it out. You're, basically what he said, I know you're going through it. I know it's difficult. I know it's hard, but man, you're going to receive the crown of life. Hang in there. But see, here's the deal. God is allowing this testing. God is allowing this fiery trial, but it's causing them to be tempted to go back into their old way of life. God is using it as a trial a testing to develop their faith, but it could become a temptation used by the devil to get them to deny and to go back into Judaism. Does that make sense? Here's a great illustration. Here's a great illustration of that. God has led his son into the wilderness. Then was Jesus led up of the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil and when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward a hunger. And when the tempter came, what is he called? When the, verse three, and when the, everybody loud so I can hear you. And when the tempter came, he said, if thou be the son of God, command these stones be made bread. So what happened? The Bible says that the Holy Spirit led him. God is testing his son. God is testing his son. He's coming out here in the wilderness for fasting and praying. And the, if y'all will remember, if y'all remember when we went through the book of Matthew, that this is the testing of the king. Every king had to be tested. And so God has led him out here to be tested. But then the devil is going to use this situation to do what? To tempt. Does this make sense? Now, these things can run parallel and sometimes they don't, they're not even associated with, but can y'all see how James is bringing these together? We got to be careful 
that we don't allow a trial or a testing from God to become a temptation. And, and we'll talk about that later and keep that from happening. But we know God will test us to develop us. Satan will tempt us to destroy us. First Thessalonians 3, 5. For this cause, when I could no longer forbear, I sent to know your faith. Lest by some means the tempter have tempted you and our labor be in vain. Second Corinthians eleven three. But I fear lest by any means as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, his slick talking, his deception, his, his trickery. So your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. Revelation 12, 9. And the great dragon was cast out that old serpent called the devil and Satan, which everybody, which deceiveth the whole world. He was cast out of the earth into the earth and his angels were cast out with him. So can we understand the two characters in our life, the two influences in our life, uh, can seem similar, but they're trying to accomplish two different things. If that makes sense, say amen. All right. Now let's turn your page. Let's look at the, the process. Man, James is very clear on the process of temptation. How does it happen? How does it come about? Uh, Mike, are we sounding all right? Because it sounds funny to me, but it's, I think it's my sinuses. It, are we good? Okay. All right. Uh, let no man, let no man say when he is tempted. Now, now why would anybody say that? Why, I mean, why would anybody say, okay, God, here, here's the deal. Well, you know, I have these tendencies. I have, I have uh, this inclination to a certain sin. God made me that way. Not according to this chapter. Not according to this chapter. Let no man, let no man say when he is tempted, when he is enticed to do evil, don't let anybody tell you that God made him that way. And that God is doing that. All right. I am tempted of God. Let no man say I'm tempted of God for God. Hold on now. Look at verse 13. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God for God. Everybody say it loud. Cannot. He cannot be tempted with evil. Neither tempted he any man. All right. Now watch this. Here's the process. How does it happen though? Okay, how does it happen? How do we go from being right to being wrong? How do we go from, you know, living right to being, falling into sin and, and doing all these things? Okay, how does this take place? The Bible says, verse 14, but every man, how many? Every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust. Now, You remember what I said? Remember what I said? When it's all said and done, there is a devil and he can tempt you and he will tempt you and he will deceive you and he will tempt you and he will try to influence you. But if the deed gets done, you did it. This is what James, from from this point on is what James is trying to imply and help us understand We are responsible for our sin. We are. Okay. Now, but every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. When, 
Lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth sin. All right, I want to give you five things real quickly. Let's take these, this pro, per, uh, uh, progression as we go from, from one, one state to another. First of all, all sin starts with desire. Write that word down. Starts with an emotion. Starts with a feeling. A feeling wanting to be satisfied. It starts with desire. The word lust here, the word lust means desire. Now, automatically, automatically you hear because the word lust is only used in a negative connotation. All right. You can lust after fried chicken. Okay. But we don't use that term. Usually when you use the word term, it's lusting after a woman or lusting after a man or a naked body or whatever. It's used in a sexual connotation, but the word just simply means desire. In other words, man is tempted and it's, it happens from his own desires. Now, now there, there is nothing wrong with desire. God created that. And, and, and it's, and it's okay, but there are wrong desires. Now watch, let me, let me read this. This, this is not in your notes, but I just want to read this to you just a second. The word lust means any kind of desire, any kind of desire, not necessarily sexual passions. The normal desires of life were given to us by God and of themselves are not sinful. Without these desires, we could not function. Unless we felt hunger and thirst, hunger and thirst is a what? It's a desire. I'm thirsty. I'm desiring water or I'm hungry. I'm desiring food. I've got a, I've got a want to be satisfied, right? Without that, we would never eat or drink. If God didn't put a hunger in us and a desire for that, we'd get dehydrated and we would get malnourished and we wouldn't eat or we wouldn't drink and we'd die. So God put something in us to cause us to do something that's good for us. Without these desires, we could not function. We would die. Without fatigue, the body would never rest and would eventually wear out. Right? All right. Sex is a normal desire. It's a good desire. Without it, the human race could not continue. It is when we want to satisfy these desires outside of God's will. That's when we have a problem. That's when it's an issue. Okay. There, now, now, now here's the thing too. Here's the thing too. It's not in your notes, but you can put this on the side. Natural human desires can become perverted. Okay. So you can, you can either have natural desires that's out of control or you could have nat- natural desires that's been perverted and now they are unnatural. Both of those are wrong. Both of those are outside of God's plan, outside of God's will. Does that make sense? Say amen. amen. All right. For instance, here's, here's great. If I'm, if I'm sleeping around with every woman in town, that's, that's a natural desire that's out of control. It's out of God's will because God only allows sex in the bed with the married bed of one man and one woman. All right. So that's a natural desire that's out of control. If I have a same sex attraction 
That is a natural desire that's unnatural now. It's been perverted. Both of these are out of God's plan. Are y'all with me? It's wrong because it, God did not ordain that. So it's, it's out of God's plan. Listen, God gave us food. God gave us a hunger. But when we go into obesity or we go into uh, where we're constantly overeating, gluttony, that's wrong. Listen, God gave us a desire to sleep, to rest. But if you stay in the bed and you're lazy and you won't go work, the Bible says you're worse than an infidel. Are y'all, y'all see how this works? Desires are okay. Desires are the steam engine that drives the body, but they can get out of whack. And that's the whole point. That's what Satan is trying to do. He's trying to get us to use what's good against outside of God's permissive will. Does that make sense? Now, here's the thing. It's when we want to satisfy these desires in ways outside God's will, we get in trouble. Eating is normal. Gluttony is sin. Sleep is normal. Laziness is sin. The Bible says in Hebrews 13, 4, marriage is honorable in all and the bed undefiled. But, but whoremongers and adulterers, God will judge. In other words, sex God's way, great, honorable. Sex outside of the marriage bed with one man and one woman, God will judge it. Does that make sense? All right. Now, these fundamental desires of life are the steam in the boiler that makes the machinery go. Turn off the steam, you have no power. Let the steam go its own way and you have destruction. Here's the secret, guys. Now, we're just at the, this is where it starts. Okay? Every, every adulterous act started first with a natural desire. That was not bad in itself, but it got out of control. Does that make sense? Now watch, now watch. The secret is in constant control. The secret is constant control. These desires must be our servants, not our masters. These desires must be our servants and not our masters. And this we can do through Jesus Christ. I knew, and, and, and this is not a funny, I hope you don't laugh at this because it's, it's hard. I mean, it's difficult. People struggle with this. And when you're skinny, you, you don't know what we're talking about. So just keep your mouth shut. I knew when I started getting out of bed in the morning, all I could think about was food. And what was I going to eat for breakfast? And as soon as I got through a breakfast, I wonder what lunch was going to be. And it just consumed my mind. Now, there ain't nothing wrong with having desire and there's nothing wrong with enjoying food. But when it's consuming you, when it's becoming your master and it's not a servant, it's out of control. And we've got to, and I'm just using my example. You, you have whatever. You have whatever. You, you, the, you just make the list. Whatever human desires is there is out of control. You know, because God's already dealing with you. But, but do y'all see where we're going with this? God's saying, hey, listen, I've given you things for your benefit. I've given you things to make life easier for you and better for you. But you can't let them get out of control. 
You can't let them get out of control. Now, how do we do this? How do we keep our desires to, to, to force them to be our servants and not our masters? I love Galatians 5.22. I don't think I put that in y'all's notes either. Trust me, I got four pages up here. I had to bring that down to, you know, two for you guys. Oh, well, write this beside that. Write this beside that. Galatians 5.22. Watch this here. Watch this here. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and what's that next one? Temperance. Temperance. That word means self-control. Self-control. What is that? It's a fruit of the Spirit. And it means when you're full of the Spirit, when you're living by the Spirit, you're walking with the Spirit, you're being filled by the Spirit, controlled by the Spirit, you're going to exercise self-control. Now watch this. Watch this. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, self-control. Against such there is no law. Watch this. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts, desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also Preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying this. I'm saying this. If we're going to be what God wants us to be, we're going to have to get our desires under control by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. By the power of the Holy Spirit. I, I, listen, I, I'm telling you, I, I, I grew up a little bitty thing. When, 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 when me and Tammy got married, I wore 28 britches. I'm telling you, that's no exaggeration. And, 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 this is something I had to ask God to help me with. And there's going to be things in you guys' life that you're going to have to ask God to help you with. You're not going to be able to, you're not going to be able to conquer this on your own. And I'm just talking about food with me. I mean, it could be anything. It could be lust. It could be, it could be alcohol. It could be gossip. It could be addiction to, to social media, whatever it might be. God is trying to tell us right here that the fruit of the spirit is one of the fruits of self-control that in order to be able to control our desires, control our lusts, we've got to have the power of the Holy Spirit to do that. Now we're going to go through five things here, but right here's where we get it. How many of y'all have, what, what, let's see if, see, we'll see if y'all can pass this test. What is, what is Barney Fife's? Most famous saying, where nip it in the bud, nip, nip, nip it in the bud. That's point one. If you wait till you get to stage three or four, it's too late. The greatest way to live a holy life, the greatest way, listen, to get control of sin in your life, to deal with temptation in your life, you got to. Nip it in the butt. Start there. Start with desire. All right, watch this. Number two, or B. Write this down. It goes from desire to deception. A normal, a normal, healthy human desire. Satan uses that. Satan knows 
men have a desire for sex. It's a normal desire. It's okay. God gave that to them. So he will use that to deceive. He will use that because it's very powerful in a man. And, and so what happens is we've gone from the feeling, the feeling, a, 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 a appetite, if you will, a desire, a feeling to be, that, that is wanting satisfied. And now Satan goes into the mind with deception. So we have our emotions. Now we're dealing with our mind. The word here, every man, verse 14, every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust. And what's that word? Entice. Entice. The word entice is delazo, which means to entrap. So now he's bringing deception. Now he's bringing in lies. He's bringing in something that's a little bit of truth and a little bit of lie. How many of y'all know that a little bit of truth and a little bit of lie is all lie? Right? No temptation. And here's the, here's, this is so important. No temptation ever appears as temptation. What does the Bible call Satan? He's the angel of light. He's the angel of light. In other words, he comes to you as a friend. He comes to you as something good. No temptation appears as temptation. It always seems more alluring than it really is. James used two illustrations from the world of sports to prove his point. First, he says, they are drawn away, carries with it the idea of baiting a trap. All right, if I put a raccoon trap out, I'm going to put a sweet cake in there or, or a can of sardines in there. Because he ain't going to go in there by, without nothing. There's got to be something in there that's going to make him want to go in there. Does that make sense? I'm appealing to his appetite, his desire, his lust. So I'm going to try to deceive him by putting bait in the trap. And that's what he's talking about here. That's what that phrase is. He is drawn away. He is enticed. Okay. The original Greek means to bait a hook. The hunter and the fisherman have to use bait to attract and catch their prey. No animal is deliberately going to step into a trap. No fish will knowingly bite a naked hook. The idea is to hide the trap and the hook. All right, we throw, a, we throw a bait in the water. We throw a plastic worm in the water. All right, he thinks it's a snake or he thinks it's a worm, whatever. He's like, man, that's dinner. Well, what's in that thing he don't know? A hook. Anything, any, any time, any time you try to satisfy a natural desire outside of the will of God, there's always going to be a hook in it. Always. All right. Temptation always carries with it some bait that appeals to our natural desires. The bait not only attracts us, but it also hides the fact that yielding to the desire will eventually bring sorrow and punishment. It is the bait that is the exciting thing. What, what, what happens? All right. A man and his wife hadn't been able to spend much time with each other. So he's got, he's got, uh, this, these desires and these appetites and uh, that, that he is wanting satisfied. And, and now, so what does Satan do? He gets a woman to walk by with not enough clothes on. Right? Or he's, he's just working on his computer or whatever or on social media and all of a sudden there's an advertisement on social media with a half-naked woman on there. Or he could be on a, he could be on a, a sports 
uh, website trying to find out who won the basketball game and all of a sudden, boom. Yep. Yeah. Satan's slick. Yeah. Ladies, I'm not going to leave you out. Y'all, you, you, you and your husband, y'all, you know, hadn't really been paying you much attention and, and you've been feeling kind of neglected and, and, and hadn't really appreciated you much. And then here comes that guy that just happens to pass by your office every week and says, man, your hair looks good today. And all of a sudden, you feel a little fluttering going on. Because now, everybody, everybody, that's, that's, man, that makes you feel good. Somebody checking you out? Y'all, y'all look at me like you want to. I'm talking. I know who I'm talking to. Be in the, in the truck and, and some, some lady gives you a second glance and it just swells your head up like you're Frank Sinatra. I know, but it makes you feel good. So all of a sudden, all of a sudden, what has Satan done? He is, he is, he has put the bait. He's baited the trap. Now, have we sinned yet? No, no. So what happens now? What happens now? All right, we've got a natural desire. We've got a natural appetite. And usually it happens when it's not being taken care of. When it's not, the needs are not being met. Whether it's needs for affection or needs for physical touch, whether it's needs for uh, words of affirmation, whatever it is, you're, you're, you're starving for that. Then all of a sudden somebody gives you a little compliment or somebody, whatever that might be. Maybe, hey, hey, let's, let's don't even talk about that. Some of y'all, that's so far beyond you don't even care about that. You're, you're so broke you can't even pay attention. And here's a temptation to skate a little bit. You know, cheat, cheat your boss out and, you know, you, you, could, you could easily get a little more money. You, can give, you, you, you didn't really have 40 hours. You only had like 28 hours, but you're going to go ahead and put that. Y'all see where I'm going with this? So Satan's going to put some bait out there. So where do we go from there? All right. What was A? It starts with, it moves to, then C, we see design. Now we're... It's affecting our will. Now it's affecting our will. We have moved from emotions, which is desire. That's lust or desire. Now it's involved the intellect. He, Satan is trying to deceive our mind, saying nobody will know. You deserve this. You deserve to be happy. Now it's affecting the will. Now it's affecting the will. See, change changed the picture. He changed the picture from hunting and fishing. Now it's to the birth of a baby. Look what he says. Then, verse 15. Then when lust hath what? Conceived. When lust hath conceived. You see, desire conceives a method for taking the bait. Watch this. Okay, I've been, I've been, I've been craving attention. There's a natural desire that I've been wanting filled, and I've been craving attention. And now, now this secretary, uh, uh, who is very attractive, and she comes by and starts flirting, and 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 now I'm being deceived in my mind. I'm thinking about it. 
And then what happens is my will starts to try to come up with a plan to make it happen. Y'all see how this works? You see, it just, it just went from a simple, innocent, natural desire that God put in us. And because we didn't control it, because we let it get out of control, we didn't. What, what does the Bible say about capturing our thoughts? Bringing every thought into captivity. Allowing Christ to crucify our flesh. Are y'all with me? Because we didn't nip it in the bud. Now Satan has done giving me an opportunity. And now I'm trying to, my will is trying to determine a plan to make this happen. When lust has conceived. Guys, when, when conception takes place, a baby's coming. When lust hath conceived. Hello. What happens? What happens? Look what it says. Look what it says. It bringeth forth sin. Don't let it get there. We go from our emotions to our intellect, now our will. Desire conceives a method for taking the bait. The will approves and acts. The will says, you know what? I do deserve this. I'm not getting my needs met at home. Oh, Satan, he'll just. Satan is the best at making your side of the argument look like. And, and, you know, that's true. I'm being neglected. What could it hurt? Satan say, no one will know. You're not hurting anybody. Well, not yet. Then the will approves and acts on it. And the result is sin. Whether we feel it or not, we are hooked and trapped. We're hooked and trapped. The baby is born. And just wait until it matures. The Christian living is a matter of the will. Christian living is a matter, say it with me, is a matter of the not feelings. It's a matter of the will, not feelings. Sometimes I hear believers say, I don't feel like reading the Bible. I don't feel like attending prayer meeting. I don't feel like praying. Well, here's the thing. Children operate on the basis of feeling, but adults operate on the basis of will. My little grandson, they, they took him to the nursery a while ago and he wasn't feeling it. It was safe back there. That's where he needed to be. That's where he should have been. But he wasn't feeling it. Y'all see what I'm saying? That's not what adults do. We expect that out of him. You know, this is, a, this is a, a big reason why a lot of immature Christians will fall into sin. Because they're living their life, they're trying to live their life according to their feelings. 
I can't tell you how many times I've seen people leave their spouses or do whatever and, and say, Preacher, I just feel happier with. Here's the thing. Adults operate on the basis of will. They act because it's right, no matter how they feel. I get out of bed and go to work, even though I don't feel like it, because it's the right thing to do. I don't feel like paying the power bill. But it's the right thing to do. I don't, I don't, feel, like, I don't feel like paying all my debts, but I made them. And it's the right thing to do. That's what adults do. You're not always going to feel in love, but you made vows. You're not always going to feel chipper and spiritual and on the mountaintop. Sometimes you're going to be in the valley. That's just what mature Christians do. They operate according to the will, not their feelings. And I'm going to just tell you this right now. Let me just confess. That's hard. When I said Sunday, oh, that I had wings of a dove, that I could just fly away, that's how I felt. I could feel that. I'm telling you, I could feel, I could, I, I'm just sitting, I, I felt like I was sitting in the cave with David when he was writing that. Man, I feel that. And you got to keep going. It's the right thing to do. You feel like getting those wings and just flying away. Just saying, forget it all. But the right thing to do is say, lead me to the rock. That's higher than I. Amen. Amen. Uh, here I go again, preaching to me. Y'all just bear with me. All right. Watch this. The more you exercise your will in saying a decisive no to temptation, the more God will take control of your life. Say amen. amen. Don't, let, don't let your feelings, don't let your feelings make the decisions. Don't let the feelings make the decisions. We see A is what? A? It starts with desire. It goes to? Then C? Then we see D, disobedience. The act takes place. You speak out in rage. You commit adultery. You steal that thing. whatever, Whatever it is. Whatever the, 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 the thing you've been tempted to do, the acts take place. And then E, write this down. Death always happens. Death always happens. The baby's coming. When lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. It bringeth forth sin. And when it is finished, and that's the key, not right away. Sometimes it's delayed. When it's done, though, when it's done, 
It's always death. Now, what do we do? We have seven minutes to tell you what to do. We see the prevention in temptation. The prevention in temptation. So what do we do? First of all, remember. Remember. What do we need to remember, preacher? Verse 15. When lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. When sin is finished, it bringeth forth death. Romans 6, 23. For the wages of sin is... Okay, first thing you need to remember is the judgment of God. The judgment of God. I, I, I just, I am so blown away every time I see stickers on the back of cars. Only God can judge me. Don't they know he's going to? I, I mean, he's, he really is. He's going to. David probably is the most well-known person that messed up bad, royally. And you see the whole process. See the whole process. He was a place he shouldn't have been, should have been in battle. He he lusts after Bathsheba, starts thinking about it, thinking about it, thinking about it, comes up with a plan, commits adultery with her, you reap what you sow. She gets pregnant. He tries to hide it. Kills her husband. Nathan is, is, is the prophet confronts him. And boy, David's fixing to pay. That baby dies. His daughter is raped by his oldest son. Another son, Absalom, who is the brother. You got to know they got multiple wives. So there's a bunch of half brothers and half sisters. So. So one half-brother rapes half-sister. The, the full brother-sister to the one that was raped, Absalom, kills him. Then runs David out of town. Then sleeps with all of his with a tent that's set up on the palace so the whole nation sees the debauchery. David's paying dearly. David gets a venereal disease. Yeah, venereal disease. Read about it. It's in the Psalms. I wonder if, I wonder if David would have just thought about, all about that on that roof. I believe he would have said, get my chariot ready. They need me in the battlefield. Listen, we, ne- we never think about that. We, we think about the, the billboards with the people partying and drinking alcohol, but we don't see the cars wrapped around the telephone pole. We see the partying and the drinking and the carrying on, but we don't see the man who is green as can be because his liver's destroyed laying up in the hospital. We need to think. Before we act, we need to remember everything will be brought into judgment. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever man, that shall he also reap. 
Listen. Remember the judgment of God. Then remember the goodness of God. Verse 16. Do not err. Don't make a mistake, James says. Do not err, my beloved brethren. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. You know what he's trying to tell you there? Every good thing that's happened to you in your life come from God. After God has been so good to you, you really going to do this? Are you going you gonna to rebel against him after all he's done? What, what a story. We got Joseph. We got Joseph. Joseph, y'all know the story. I got to hurry because I've got a few minutes. Joseph went through the, his whole ordeal. Goes from the pit to the palace. He's sold by his brethren. You know, but everywhere the Bible says, but God was with him. God was with him. Except for the pit. And there's a whole message in that, man. We got to preach on that one day. Uh, that's a series we're going to have to do on Wednesday night because I, I need more time. But he's in, he's in Potiphar's house. He's one of the king's officials. He's a, he's a slave, but now he's a head slave because God's just honored him and blessed him. And everywhere he went, God put his hand on him and blessed him. So that now, there ain't nobody, there ain't nobody in the house any higher on the totem pole than Joseph is. The only one higher than him is Potiphar himself. I mean, he's way up on the chain. Not only that, Potiphar said, you can have anything I have except for my wife. And that's what, that's what Joseph said. Y'all know the story. He's a young, good looking dude. And she had eyes for him. She wanted to sleep with him. And kept on, kept on, kept on. He kept dodging. And finally she caught him alone. And he said, how could I do this? There ain't nobody in this house that's any higher than me. Listen, your husband has given me everything. God has been so good to me. How could I commit this sin against God who's been so good to me? Boy, I kept his character. She might have got his coat, but she didn't get his character. Y'all with me? So just, just think a minute. When you're being tempted, remember the judgment of God. If that don't work, remember the goodness of God. The goodness of God. Then, write this down, quick. Reinforce. Reinforce. This will really help. Three things I want you to write down. Prayer. What, what did Jesus say? When you pray... Father, lead us not into, but. How many of y'all remember, how many of y'all remember, what's that dude asked for a blessing? Jabez, Jabez. Remember when Jabez said, Lord, would you bless me indeed and keep me from evil? You know what the Bible says? He did. God says, okay. Can you imagine God saying no to you, if you're coming to God every morning saying, God, please keep me holy today. Keep me pure today so I can honor you and bless you. Lord, deliver me from evil. You think God's not going to honor that request? I can trace every time I've been stupid. I started my day out without God. 
And I'm telling you, when I start my day out with God and started with that, we're good to go. So prayer, then scriptures, write that down quickly. What did Jesus use against Satan? I'm not going to rehash that. Y'all know what happened. Every time the devil came and tempted him, he said, it is written. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against God. Whatever your weakness is, the devil knows it. What was the first thing he tempted Jesus with? Food. What had he been doing? Fasting 40 days. Right? So Satan's slick. He knows. But he used scripture. All right? Figure out what your weakness is. Figure out what he keeps tempting you with over and over and find some scripture to support that and memorize it. Listen, a gun don't, somebody, somebody from Chicago in the Chicago training center. Uh, I love him. I, he's probably watching right now. Old George. He said, he said, you probably, you probably got a firearm in your truck. I said, several. He said, is it loaded? I said, what good would it be if it wasn't loaded? I might as well have a baseball bat. God ain't no use to it if you don't have bullets in it. So I've had people, oh, preacher, I hold my Bible dear. Do you read it? Thy word have I hid in my heart. That is putting bullets in the gun. Memorize it. Memorize it. Church, say amen. Listen, and then the most important thing, the Holy Spirit. I love this. Watch this right here. Quick, quick. There hath no temptation taken you, but such is common to man. But God is faithful. Say that with me. God is. Who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able, but will with the temptation also make way of escape. She may be able to bear it. Watch this now. This is my favorite. Hebrews 2.16. For verily he took on him the nature of angels. Or excuse me. For verily he took not on him the nature of angels, but he took on him the seed of Abraham. Why did God become man? Wherefore, in all things, it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren. That means me and you. That he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in the things pertaining to God to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. Watch this now. Watch this. This is so good. For in that he himself hath suffered being tempted, he is able to succor them that are tempted. What does the word sucker mean? Literally to run to, to run to support, to help, to relieve when in difficulty, want or distress, to assist and deliver from suffering. Why? Why did he become man and go through temptation so that when you're in your temptation, he could run to you and assist you and help you and deliver you? Say amen. Amen. It's like that meme says, Holy Ghost, activate. I need some Holy Ghost right now. Amen. I've been saying that in traffic lately. Let's stand.